Would you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 11? John chapter 11. We're going to read the first 16 verses this morning. Can I tell you one of the questions most frequently asked of Christians? It was the title of a popular book written after the Holocaust. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Now, each of us here, we all know the same cliche answer. There was only one good person that walked the earth, and we crucified him. That's the snarky answer we hear. Why do we hear a snarky answer? It's a bad question. It's a bad question. Each of us in this room have done things that if we ever caught our children doing them, we would wear them out with the end of a long wooden spoon. It's a bad question. Let me give a better question. Why do people whom God loves get sick? Why do people whom God loves get sick? Why do his saints die from cancer? Why do his ministers get martyred? Why does the church get persecuted? Doesn't God love them? There's no snarky response to that question. We don't have a sermon in a sentence this morning. We have a question. How do we answer that question? Before we attempt to, let's pray and we'll read our text. Heavenly Father, our catechism says that Christ exercises the office of a prophet in his humiliation and in his exaltation. That even now Christ speaks to us about very challenging things by his word and his spirit. Would you give us ears to hear that we could hear him speaking to us? That we would not dodge difficult things, but that we would find our yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Help us, Heavenly Father, to receive and to cherish what you say. We ask these things in his precious name. Amen. Okay, we're reading the first 16 verses. Hear the word of the Lord. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let's go down to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Well, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? 
If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they had thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And so Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also that we may die with him. Now thus ends the reading of God's word this morning. As our account opens... Jesus is safe and sound in the wilderness of Judea, but that cannot be said of everyone. A man is sick, but not any man, a certain man. A certain man whose sister anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. A certain man whose sister fed Jesus Christ from her own table. This certain man had a name, his name was Lazarus. By all logical accounts, Lazarus would have been the provider, the breadwinner of this family, and an agrarian society of which exists no unemployment, no social security, no safety net. When Mary and Martha stared into the weak eyes of their brother, poverty stared back at them. It's a very dire situation. And in a moment of desperation, they send a simple and yet profound telegram to Jesus. I love the King James adds a word that the ESV for some reason leaves out. Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Let's ponder that statement for a moment. First, she says, Lord, there's a grandeur, a greatness, a dignity behind her address. Our minds may flutter to creation where God created the heavens and the earth, where he laid his beams in the deeps, where he marked a boundary for the ocean and said, this far and no more. Our minds may run to the wonders of his redemption. For Mary and Martha, the greatest redemptive act of God would have been the exodus and the wilderness wandering. The manna, the rock, the Red Sea. But let's just have a moment of honesty. When you're in this sort of situation, does your mind reach that far back? No. It reaches for something at hand, something close by, something present, like giving sight to the blind 
and turning water into wine. Mary saw a new creation. Feeding 5,000 people in the wilderness, Mary saw a new exodus. The forgiveness pronounced over this former prostitute and the anointing that followed, Mary saw a new life. Mary was forgiven much. Mary saw much. Mary loved much. Lord, it's a fitting word to start her request. But the question is, will he come? Will he come? She says, Lord, behold. Lord, look down here. Lord, pay attention to me. Between the Jews and Lazarus. Or between Jesus and Lazarus lies a very great distance. However... Mary and Martha are a short walk from Jerusalem. How short? About five miles short. That's about, what, halfway the distance between Raymond and Clinton? That's a short walk. Then, what if Jesus forgot about him being so far away? What if Lazarus escaped his notice because of the distance? Have you ever worried about that? David did often in the Psalms. But there's something besides the distance. There's the danger. Did I mention that she's near Jerusalem? What happened last time Jesus was in Jerusalem? That's right. They tried to kill him. There's a danger involved. To save Lazarus would cost Jesus his life. Would he come? But even more than would he come, why would he come? Jesus is comfortable and content. He doesn't have a care in the world. He's surrounded by people who are singing his praises and having a good old time. There's no insults. There's no accusations. There's no rocks being thrown at him. Why would he come to such a hostile environment? Well, she tells us, Lord Behold, he whom you love. Notice what she doesn't say. She doesn't say, Lord, behold, it's me who anointed your feet that time. Lord, behold, do you remember that hot meal I cooked for you that evening? She doesn't say these things. She doesn't say things like, Lord, behold, if you come, I will Blank. Mary and Martha did not try to butter Jesus' bread. They did not try to pull the wools over his eyes. There is nothing in us, no merit, no work, no achievements, that binds Jesus Christ to us. There was once a composer named Salarari who once prayed, Lord... If you make me a great composer, I'll live a chaste life. Lord, if you, then I will. Lord, if you, then I will. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? You see, our hope does not rest on anything in us, but on the free and sovereign love 
of God. This is the foundation of which Mary and Martha strike their plea. But now look at the quandary. The Lord who does great acts of creation and redemption, the Lord who guides the affairs of men by His holy and wise providence, the Lord who listens and loves His people, this great God who loves us, could anything go wrong? And yet here is the clincher. Lord, behold, He whom you love is sick. Is sick. He is sick. Lord, the nearest and dearest bond in my life, my brother is leaving me and poverty will fill his void. Don't you love us? Do you see the problem? Look around. We're all sick. Adam ate the fruits. He didn't get food poisoning. He got soul poisoning. Righteousness and godliness were meant to be our normal. We are sick. I can't tell you how many times someone has said to me after having COVID, I just can't do what I used to do. I don't have my strength back. We still don't have our strength back. We can't live like we were meant to do. We are sick. Anger and resentment. Temptations, desires, laziness, worldliness, pride. I could go on and on. There's a multitude of symptoms because we're sick. We find temporary reprieve in this world through busyness, through stuff, through distraction. But it's like having a car wreck and then taking a bottle of ibuprofen. It will give you a very short reprieve. But when the pain returns, it returns with a vengeance. Haven't we all felt that vengeance in our conscience? You read the book of Leviticus. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to figure out God does not accept sickly sacrifices or sickly people into his presence. That's a problem. Even beyond ourselves, we call out, Lord, he whom we love is sick. He whom we love is overcome by drugs. He whom we love is drowning in alcohol. He whom we love has a hard heart. He whom we love is dealing with infidelity. He whom we love is sick with sin. Do you know what that feels like? Helplessness? It's not the right word. Uselessness? I don't think that's the right word. Despair. It feels like despair. And it's most acute in our prayer lives. If you, then I, is a prayer of despair. You hear a similar despair in Mary and Martha when Jesus comes. Lord, if you would have been here. 
In our despair, tinged with doubt, we ask, Lord, do you listen? Lord, do you love us? And yet what? Tell me, what do we see in our text? From a place of safety and security, Jesus says, let us go to Judea. His disciples warned him of the danger. Thomas sounds like Gimli the brave from the Lord of the Rings. Certainty of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? Certainty of death, small chance of success, and yet Jesus goes. Jesus knows this is the first domino in a rapid succession of events that will lead ultimately to his death. The certainty of raising Lazarus is the certainty of his death. And yet he goes. Why? Because he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now let's peel this back a little bit. Here is the Son of God in heaven, safe, secure, angels singing His praises at the right hand of His Father. He is content. Sticks and stones won't break His bones. They can't reach Him. For what reason does He leave heaven to come to earth? It is nothing in us. It is out of His free and sovereign love. He braved the distance. He endured the dangers, knowing He would certainly die. He came down. We did not go up. He came down. Down into sorrow. Down into suffering. Down into the grave. And now He has been raised for us. Raised for our righteousness raised for our holiness, raised for our life. By his wounds we have been healed. By his death we have life. He has transformed the grave from a curse a curse to a cure. He is the only cure for our sin-sick souls. And he offers himself to us today out of his free Sovereign love. Have you tasted this love? Have you been raised to a new life? Has health been restored to your soul? If not, Mary's words are apt to describe your plight. Lord, he whom you love is sick. Now, why am I telling you this today? One, we must love Jesus Christ now before physical sickness comes later. Jesus says to his disciples, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, that you may believe. It's interesting, isn't it? The disciples are living a relatively carefree and easygoing life. But Jesus aims to confirm their faith now. 
Why? Jesus is no dummy. Jesus knows the trials that lie ahead for them. Jesus knows the dark night of the soul that was coming when he would be arrested and they would be scattered. And Jesus says, we need to prepare for that day now. You know, our modern conveniences have caused us to forsake the preparedness of our forefathers. If you read back in the 1800s, people planned their life around one day, the day of their death. It's the most certain day on any of our calendar. Do we do that? Let's even think of winter. We don't. How many of us have been out chopping firewood to prepare for winter? Not many. How many of us remember our grandmother spending all summer canning? How often do we do that now? We just go to the grocery store. We don't think of preparedness. Jesus does. To borrow Jesus' expression, he says, Are there not 12 hours in a day? Night is coming. If we cannot follow Jesus now, what of then? Mary and Martha could call on Jesus in a moment of desperation because they had a long-running relationship already. What of you? If our life took a sudden downhill turn for the worse, if dear ones were taken, if poverty behind, lurked behind every decision, would we be ready? Jesus gives us life to our souls and our fellowship with him strengthens it day by day. I've never heard a farmer say, I'm too busy to prepare for winter. I've never heard a hunter say, I'm too busy to plant a grass patch. In the same way, I pray none of us will say of our soul, I'm too busy to prepare for winter. So one, we must love him. Two, we must lay our petitions down before him. Why? Because he loves us. Look what Mary and Martha do. They simply say, Lord, he's sick. They don't provide a, a detailed regiment for how Jesus is to answer their prayer. They simply trust him because they know he loves them. Peter does the same thing. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. You know, a man once went to the doctor and he gets to the doctor and he gets out his phone and he says, Doctor, Google says you should do this and then this. And the doctor just kindly listened. And then the doctor asked, he said, Does Google know your family history of high blood pressure? Well, no. Does Google know that you like to eat a sausage biscuit with the boys every Saturday morning? Well, no. Does Google know your wife? No. Okay, then hush. Listen to me and let me take care of you. In the same way, gee, let's just make this simple. Jesus didn't leave safety and security in order to receive suggestions. Jesus left safety and security to solve problems. Let's not make it complicated. 
Jesus loves you. Trust Him. Lay your petitions down before Him. Leave the rest to Him. Lastly, love Him, trust Him, and linger on that love. Why do I point out the lingering? How many of us in this room have prayed the same prayer for someone for years and you haven't heard the answer? What is our natural tendency? We linger on the delay. We linger on the delay. And when we do, we ask questions. God, do you listen to me? God, do you even love me anymore? In our very text, Lazarus is dying and Jesus waits two days. Two days. Is Lazarus not important? And yet, when Jesus goes, he doesn't say, All right, I guess we got to go down there. Jesus says, Let's go to our, and I love this word, friend. Our friend. When your friend calls, do you go at the best possible time? You sure do. Jesus calls us his friend. J.C. Ryle says, God does not go away when bodily health goes away. Christ does not depart when life departs. Christ's love does not leave us. Listen very clearly. A delay in response is not a delay in his love. He always has his glory and his friends in mind. If we are to persevere in times of prayer, we must not linger on the delay, but how much, just how much He loves us. So church, let me leave us with a better question. The question is not, why do people God loves get sick? I'll give you the easy answer. It's because of sin and its consequences. The best question that our text forces us to ask is why does God provide a cure? Why does God provide a cure for our sin-sick souls? The answer is His free and sovereign love for us. Our sickness is very great. His love is all the greater. As one of my favorite hymns sings, Upon the cross of Jesus, mine eye at times can see the very form of one who suffered there for me. And with stricken heart, from a stricken heart with tears, to wonders I confess, the wonders of redeeming love and my unworthiness. The wonders of redeeming love. Let us linger on that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, 
and all the confusion that this world brings up. There is nothing more confusion than confusing than the pain and suffering of those we love most dearly, of ourselves. Fever makes us say some rash things. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to keep our minds on Jesus Christ and his love. It is the only hope that we have. Our hope is in his grace and his mercy. I thank you that you would give such a wonderful Savior to us. May we know him more. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.